Israel, at some point of time in their lives, they were taken to Babylon by a king named Nebuchadnezzar. And they remained in Babylon under bondage for 70 long years. And God, in fact, used Babylon as his agent to bring judgment over Israel for their sins of idolatry and rebellion that they showed against God. You know, throughout the history we see God brings punishment and also God rescues people of God once they go through that punishment. And that punishment in their lives is allowed, that, that condition in their lives is allowed for a reason. And when the reason is taken care of by people of God, we see God removing the, those restrictions, those conditions and restoring their lives. So after 70 years, God decided to restore people of God from Babylon and he brought them initially under the leadership of Zerubbabel. Then he also brought Ezra, the priest and the scribe, and Nehemiah. And he also, he was in fact a governor during that time. They were brought back, they were brought back to Jerusalem, to Israel. And Ezra and Nehemiah, after 70 long years, looking at all the ruins, they decided they need to redo the whole work of God in their land, which is totally devastated. And Ezra and Nehemiah were trying to bring back the routine of celebrating the festivals and worshiping God by the people of God. And we, in Nehemiah chapter 8, we don't need to go there now. In Nehemiah chapter 8, we see an attempt made by Ezra and Nehemiah to have all the children of God assembled together to read the book of the law. You know, when you see Old Testament, whenever people of God come together, the first thing they do is they open the book of the law. And when they open the book, what will happen? When they open the book, all people will rise. You don't read Old Testament, right? Do we? So when the book of the law is open, what happens? People rise. They all rise. They don't sit when the word of God is read. You know, I really honor and appreciate those churches. They still do it. When they read Psalm, what will they do? They all rise. In reverence to the word of God. You know, that's what people of God were doing there. When the book of the law was opened and they all rise and they, they were just listening to what God was speaking to them. Now, as part of the reading, you know, the scripture that we are going to read now, that was a scripture read by Nehemiah as part of the reading that took place there. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. If you can turn our Bibles to go there. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 9. Or we get that in the screen. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn, nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. When they heard a word, heard the words of the law, all the people wept. Of course, they were weeping over their sins. Their sins had brought such a, such a, such a devastation among Israel. Their sins has caused people to be under bondage for such a long time. When the book of the law was opened, they started weeping for their sins. 
Not only their sins, 70 years they were under bondage. You can imagine the current generation standing there. They're all, maybe many of them, majority of them were not part of the initial deportation. They were probably born in Babylon, most of them, majority of them. But then still they were crying for their own sins, the sins of their forefathers, their fathers and grandparents and stuff like that. You know, they've been praying and crying unto God and confessing their sins. But in the midst of all, I believe, still when I try to understand what is happening there, I believe the current generation standing there, they are really weeping because they remember all the struggles they went through in Babylon, in the foreign nation. You know, of course, when they hear, when they listen to the word of God, the word of God is comforting. When the words of peace were spoken into their lives, obviously they had no option other than crying because they could never hear this word of God during past 70 years, never in their lifetime. But when Nehemiah and Ezra and the Levites opened the book of the law and when they read it, they could listen to the word of God. And they also heard the priest saying, this is the holy day to the Lord your God do not mourn, nor weep, because all the people wept when they heard the word of the Lord. You know, I was just under the assumption that if it, they were weeping over their sins, why Nehemiah and Ezra should tell them that do not weep? They probably should, come on, cry out to God, ask for forgiveness. But when they asked them to stop, end, don't cry anymore. You know, I believe that, you know, God is comforting them. They were telling them, just receive the comfort of the Lord. It's enough that you cried enough. Do not mourn or weep. For this day is the holy day to the Lord. I'm sure when the word of God was preached there, they really wept for their comfort, for the comfort that they could receive from the Lord at that moment. 70 years of exile. It would have really sucked the blood out of their body. You can imagine 70 years living under bondage. Anyone giving birth to a child when they are living in bondage, they just give birth in hopelessness. They don't have any hope that this child will grow and come up as a man and woman, but they just don't have that hope. The bondage wiped away all their hope during that 70 years. A generation that never experienced freedom since the day they were born, because all those who are standing there, majority of them, they are within 70 years. They heard only stories. They heard their parents telling them about how good it was to be in Judea, how good it was to be in Samaria, how good it was to be good, you know, celebrate all the festivals, how good it was to go to the temple of God every week. People, those who are taken as hostage, are captives to the foreign nation. I don't know, sometimes I listen to their stories on YouTube, how much struggle they go through when they are taken as hostage. They can very easily lose all their hope. They can easily lose hope of returning to their nation. As the years go by, their memories fade. They tend to forget their family. You know, many things, things will appear so bleak. Life just continues without any expectation, without any hope. That's the kind of life when people are living under bondage living as hostages, children of Israel came back to Jerusalem, but they saw the bare land in front of them. There is nothing. 
Everything was brought to the ground by Nebuchadnezzar and his army. They had to rebuild everything. They had to start doing everything right from scratch. Some of them, they felt that why are we coming back to this nation? They become so accustomed to the living style in Babylon because that's where they were born. But now you brought me to a place where I don't see anything. Everything is shattered. They were questioning their parents. Why did you bring me to here? For them, it's a strange place. Some of those were taken as captive, captives during the time. Originally, they were so young when they were taken. But they are now very old. They can't even walk. They can't do anything. In a generation, we see a generation there. They literally stored everything for their children. But everything was plundered by Nebuchadnezzar and his army. But now we see a generation coming back to Jerusalem. Not having anything in their savings as savings. Whatever they had, the previous generation lost. But now they don't have anything to put in the front of their children. There is nothing that is saved for their children. I want you to imagine the frustration of the people of God at that moment. No wonder that they started weeping. The moment they heard the word of God, the moment they heard the book of the law of Moses, they just started weeping. Word of God reminds you your past. And it promises a great future, disregarding the current. Word of God reminds your past and it gives promise to your future disregarding what you're going through it doesn't really material for God for what you're going through at this moment God's words are always for the future these promises are kept for you and your family word of God always reminds us what we have gone through in the past it shows us towards the future that God has a blessed future for you it doesn't matter what we go through right now that was the same situation the children of Israel were in, the, in, that, in that moment. No wonder they cried out to God when the word of the Lord was, the word of God was read. We have been going through that similar struggle in our times, in our families, in our lives too. We feel that at times we are stuck in that situation. We do not know for how long we will be in that situation. We don't see the end of it. We want to see a better life. We want to see a better family. We want to see things happening in our lives, but nothing is happening. We are just exactly like children of God. We have been living in the, as captives in our own situations. Many times, you know, the only thing that children of God, they could do is they could cry out to God. At times, you know, we are under so much of bondage. Our situation takes control over our lives and it doesn't allow us to do anything else. We feel that we are tied out, we're tied up. We, are, we feel that we are restricted so much. We lose our expectations. We lose motivation we, because nothing is happening. Nothing is moving. Now the word of God is coming to a group of people who lost everything in their lives. They don't know where to start because they're totally frustrated. They, in fact, they even lost their identity as God's own children. Now they question whether, you know, God is really with us or not. Because they are not going to temple, they are not going to church. Their spiritual level, the maturity, everything is dried off completely. They don't know what to do, but only one thing they know to cry. And that's what they have been doing the past 70 years. Cry, cry. This morning God is speaking to us. Come up, how many of our lives, you know, in our lives, how many of us are going through that similar moment in our lives? There's nothing else we know how to do properly other than just crying. 
You want to say something, you want to speak something, you want to tell something, you want to share something with somebody else, but you don't have words because you just cry. You don't know how to do things beyond that. That's what exactly the children of God were going through when they returned back to Judea, to, to the land of Israel. Nehemiah said to them in Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, this is what exactly he said. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those who, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Can you read that again? Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This morning I titled my sermon as Do Not Sorrow. Do not sorrow. You know, today I believe in many of our lives, God is telling us the same thing, that do not sorrow. Many of our joy is taken out easily, just like that. You know, sometimes we say that joy is different from being happy. But a joyful person can never be unhappy. A joyful person can never be unhappy. But a happy person may or may not have joy, but a joyful person can never be unhappy. If you say that I have the joy of the Lord, you need to be happy. If we say that we have the joy of the Lord inside of us, outside we should be seen as a happy person. Nehemiah is saying, do not sorrow. It's not just a do not sorrow. If you read, read that very closely, it is a command to obey. It is a command to obey, saying, do not sorrow. You know, being unhappy, if you read this verse very closely, you realize that being unhappy defiles the holiness of God. He's saying, because this day is a holy day, do not sorrow. Being sorrowful, being unhappy defines the holiness of God because God doesn't want us to be unhappy in the day that is holy to the Lord. God doesn't want us to be in sad situation even though we have troubles and difficulties but God wants us to have the joy and the joy is never altered by our situation. That's a real joy. That joy is something that our soul, soul holds inside of it. That joy doesn't change by the situation, by the surroundings. You may appear to be happier and happy based on what is happening in front of you. But you have the joy of the Lord inside of you. There is a joy that is always inside of you. That's what is Christianity. That's what is following God. That's what believers are expected to do. When we are sorrowful and unhappy, we degrade the ability of God. We degrade the ability of God. When we worry about things that are not in our control, we are literally saying that, God, you are not worthy of my trust anymore. When we worry about things that are not, listen to me, when we worry about things that are not in our control, you know, many times we worry about things which are not in our control. When we worry about things that are not in our control, we literally saying, telling the Lord, Lord, you are not worthy of my trust anymore. That's the reason we worry. That's the reason we sorrow and hear the word of God coming to them so strongly, so heavily. Do not sorrow. Do not sorrow. If you can see the next slide. They were unhappy for three different reasons. I believe reasons I believe at this moment. Number one, worry concerning their past. Worry concerning their present. Worry concerning their future. 
Let's talk about these three a little bit. Number one, children of Israel remembered their past and they cried over it. The moment the book of the law was opened, they remembered their past. You know, today often we lose our joy because we remember our past. In many of our lives, the past was not good. In many of our lives, the past is not worthy to remember for anymore. Children of Israel were going through the same situation. The moment we think about their past, they started crying. In Psalm 137, verses 1 and 2, exactly this is what is happening to children of Israel when they were in Babylon. That shows their characteristics. Psalmist writes, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Ere we wept when we remembered Zion. <laughs> they were in Babylon. They were sitting at the side of the river. And from there they were thinking about Zion. When they thought about Zion, they cried, they wept. Why they wept? Two reasons. Either their past was so good, they wept. Or their past was so bad, they wept. There are two, two reasons that we do today. We all want to go back to our past because the past was so good. The life that I'm living, you know, the moment I got married in my life, all the struggles started. My original life was so good. I was so blessed. The moment I get into this business, you know, I just lost my peace. I was so blessed before that. The moment we think about, they thought about their Zion, how good it was to worship God, to live as families, to participate in all the feasts, how good it was. They sat down near the side of the river, rivers in Babylon. They remembered Zion and verse 2 says, we hung our hearts upon the willows in the midst of it. They, they took all their instruments and they hung their instruments in the tree and they were just sitting at the side of the river and crying. What happened in their lives? They remembered their past. They don't want to sing songs to God anymore. Are you in that situation this morning? You used to sing songs to God, but the song is no more coming out of your mouth because your heart, your soul doesn't allow that to happen. They went in Zion, went to, they, they, they want the Zion experience to come back in their lives. You know, many times we long for that experience to come back alive in our lives when they remember their own country. When they hung their instruments, they never felt like singing to God. Remember, this life has to go on. If you don't cooperate, and if you don't move on, you are always stuck in your past. Life has to continue. You cannot hold your life and say that I want to be here in this situation. Can you just take me back? It's never going to happen. Life has to move on. And we need to cooperate. And if you don't cooperate and move on as the life takes you in different levels, different situations, we are always stuck in our past. The book of Lamentations paints a sad picture of children of Israel, what they were going through in Jerusalem when before or during the time when they were deported. There was a starving population, the remnants, those who were left out. After Nebuchadnezzar took all the nobles, all those who were able, they were all taken, and t taken as captives. But you know what? There were remnants, they were left over there. All the poor people, all the old age, all the crippled, all the disabled. You know, they were starving. They were selling all the riches to Babylon because they were starving for food. The leadership is gone. The priesthood was taken out of them. The temple was burned down. 
the Babylonian soldiers were oppressing the people of God to, for food. They would get them to do heavy work so that they can be fed. That's what Lamentation talks about. When they remembered the cruelty the Babylonians caused to them, they started crying when they heard the word of the Lord. You know, many times we allow our past to cripple, to, to, to cripple our current, our present. Many times we allow our past to ruin our today. You know, when you leave, we don't leave for today. The today is going to become a past. And that today is no more available for us to leave. And God is telling us this morning just two words. Do not sorrow. Do not sorrow. The struggles that we went through in the past. The days that we felt that, you know, we have wasted our lives. The oppression, the abuse that we went through at times, you know, they are all so fresh in our minds. And they spoil our current joy. As children of God, we need to know how to live today. If we do not know how to live our today, we will never leave. We will never leave. And God is very particular. As I said, it defiles the holiness of God when we worry. When we worry, it questions the ability of God. When we worry, we say that, God, you are not capable of doing anything more in my life. That's the reason I'm taking it on myself and I'm worrying, oh God, and how insulting it is for God to do that when, you, when we do that. God is telling you this morning, do not remember the past. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Bible says in Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, do not remember the former things. Nor consider the things of old. If you do it, or if you don't consider the things of the things of the old, then what will happen? Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, failures are part of our lives. A, a, a student can fail in an examination. And during a medical treatment, someone can fail because he, may or, he or she may have a sickness or disease. A marriage can fail. There can be many failures in our lives because we are living on the face of this earth in a fallen world. The nature is to fail. Those failures, if you think about, if you keep worrying about those failures, we can never move forward. Give God an opportunity this morning so that God may work in your life and you are holding, you are hindering God, saying that, Lord, if I do something, this is what is going to happen. Who are you to say that? How can you say that? Give God an opportunity. Let him do something new in your life. Do not prevent God doing those things in your life. Do not distrust God. When he says a promise, when he gives you a promise, hold on to it and move forward and do it. Do not allow your past to ruin your present day. Number two, they thought about their current situation and they worried. That vehement cry from their hearts that day was not just only because they thought about their past, they also just looked at the land right now. When they turned from captivity, even building a wall was such a great challenge for them. There is a valid reason why they cried over their present. They were ridiculed, they were criticized, they were, threat of, they were in threat of warfare, even to build a wall. There were internal troubles, such as the rich would lend money to the poor, and when the debtors missed a payment, they would take their possessions, they would take their lands. 
Sanballat and Tobiah or their company, they were trying to harm Nehemiah. They were secretly plotting against Nehemiah. They wanted the children of God to come to them so that they can compromise them and they may no more follow God. Even to build a wall. Have you tried this? Have you experienced this in your life? Even to make a single step, you have a, such a great opposition. Even to make a single decision, you are unable to make, make you feel that you lost your ability totally. Even just to build a wall. Many things that have happened in our lives really crippled us. That we are totally incapable of making decisions. We are totally incapable of taking a step to move forward. This morning God is speaking to us. At times we feel that it becomes difficult to build a wall. Nothing is moving. Nothing is happening. There are a few more challenges that are ahead of them. They need to finish the rebuilding of the wall which they have started. They need to build the temple of God which was destroyed. They need to repopulate Jerusalem now. So many challenges that are in front of them. When they thought about all these things, they had no other option than crying. Have you seen this in your life? When you go in your prayer closet, you kneel down. One after the other, things will flow in your mind. You think about this, you think about that. You know, think about all the struggles. And at the end of everything, you say that, Lord, I don't have strength. And you end up in crying. That's what exactly the same situation. Everything was totally destroyed. They had to build everything from scratch. They were in tears because of the challenges that they see in front of them. It's a time of restoration in their lives. The nation has to heal. The nation has to heal from the damages caused by Babylonians. Today in your life you lost the joy because of the challenges that you are trying to handle in your life. The health conditions. The financial difficulties that we are going through. The relationship struggles. The dissatisfaction in this life. In the marriage. Children studies are having problems. Children health condition is having problems. Their future. Some of us are into legal issues and abuse and loneliness. You know, what not. You know, there are many different things. Misunderstood, mistreated. You know, there are various challenges that we try to handle today in our lives. We feel sorrow because either because of our challenges or because of our responsibility. We lose our joy because of our challenges or sometimes because of the great responsibilities we have in our lives. Caring for your children. Caring for your elders, elderly parents. Taking care of your spouse. Challenging challenges in your workplaces. The responsibility of taking care of someone who is not well in your family. Why not taking care of your own self? We feel there is a responsibility at times and you struggle over it. When you think about all these things, we lose our joy. This overwhelming sorrow comes and descends upon our, our lives and unfolds our hearts. The weight of the current challenges presses down to the earth. The moment you set your mind loose and think about all those things, you feel that you are totally pressed to the ground. You feel that you are helpless. You are useless. And God is telling you, do not sorrow. Do not sorrow. Life challenges and the responsibilities could easily take us, take the joy out of our lives. God is telling you, the same thing that he told to the children of Israel. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. Then he said to them, can you read with me? Go your way, eat the fat, 
drink the sweet and send portions to those whom nothing is prepared for this day is the holy day to our Lord do not sorrow for the joy of the Lord is your strength eat the fat drink the sweet thinking about it these are also proverbical proverbial sorry it's a proverbial expression of uh, you know uh, the heart that comes out of you know, when someone speaks so simply these words are saying this is not the time to fast this is not the time to grieve this is not even a time to have just an ordinary meal now every time when you go back i call my wife and check with her what do we have for supper right sometimes it tells me whether i need to go back or i need to go to tim hortons right? so here the man of god is telling eat the fat and drink the sweet just don't have an ordinary meal have a feast you know in the old testament it was a commandment of god to have feasts you know today today at times we become over spiritual and as believers we think it's not really good it's not really godly to have feasts it's not really godly to come around invite friends and have a feast at times we think that way no it's not very godly to have joyful time but god is telling us this morning it's not god wants us to be joyful god wants us to eat well god wants us to have feast and he also says send the send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared he's saying that give it to those who are not capable of preparing any food give to the poor give to the widows give to the orphan give to the strangers so they may be even blessed not only that i believe god is also telling them god wants you to think about when you think about those who are not having you are also think about how much worse condition they are in today than you how much god has blessed you and god is indirectly telling them why are you sorrowful why do you lose your joy when you think about those who are not able to prepare any food at all are you not better than are you not better than those those people those who are starving and struggling i have blessed you where is your joy why did you lose your joy every minute every hour is so precious in our lives don't spend them in sorrow don't spend them in worrying for what you don't have control over be thankful to god for everything that god had done thirdly they thought about their future and they worried when they remembered about their past they had no option they wept when they thought about their current situation they had nothing to rejoice over it but now when they think about their future they again wept today when you think about your future that's not so great that's not so comforting we have questions we have questions such as where who how you know these are the questions that we have in our list nothing is clear we are not comfortable moving forward people are you know people that on whom we are depending on today on the face of this year they just move away quickly from us they move away your parents are not going to be there with you forever and no one has time to care you know many of their complaint is i'm not taking care my church is not caring for my me my roommates are not taking care of me you know what nobody has time no one has time everybody is running on their running busy in their own schedule no one has time and lord how am i going to face my future nothing we are holding today is going to be here forever things are going to change nothing is certain nothing is promising 
Lord, in the midst of all this, that's the question of children of Israel at that moment. How am I going to build my future in this land? I have an answer today. The only, and the only thing that you can hold on is God's promises. God's promises. They never fail. Everything else will fail. You can go to the next slide. Your worry has to lay its heavy head on the pillow of God's promise to find deep rest. Your worry has to lay its heavy head on the pillow of God's promise. That's where you find a deep rest. You know, many times we don't know this trick. We don't know this provision that God had given to us. This morning, can you listen to me? Today, many times we fail to find rest. We allow sorrow to overwhelm and the sorrow to make our lives so heavy. And when we allow sorrow, they easily multiply and they overflow. They start affecting people around us. When we allow sorrow inside of us. And eventually we lose our joy. It takes too much of work to bring that joy in your life. And God is telling us this morning, do not lose the joy. God wants you to lay every failure, every situation that where you don't have control to the one who is not only a promise giver, who is also a promise keeper. This morning, God, church, God wants you to believe him. He restores us through his word. He is a great restorer. He is just a great deliverer. And God is telling you this morning that we need to lay everything down at the feet of God and lay yourself on the promises of God. How good he is. He already gave the promise to children of Israel. The moment they came out of the captivity, he already promised how he is going to take care. But here we see a bunch of group of children of God sitting together and crying because they never realized the promise of God. They started worrying about what this God could do in our lives. They want to read that promise that God gave to them. Even before restoring them into, back into Jerusalem, God promised them. We read that from Amos chapter 9, Amos chapter 9 verses 11 to 15. The book of Amos chapter 9, 11 through 15. Read from screen. 11, verse 11 says, On that day I will rise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will rise up its ruins and rebuild it as the days of old. What a promise that God had already given them. These poor people of God, they did not have any clue about the promise of God. Same as we today. We are in the same situation today at times. First of all, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. Verse 13, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows seed. Plowman overtaking the reaper, that means God will make the soil so fertile that even the harvest will continue. Harvest will overflow into the next season so that the plowman is already ready for the next season. You know, God has promised them saying that I will bless you with the overflowing blessing that will go from one season to another season. On the mountains shall drip with the sweet wine. 
and all the hills shall flow with it. I will bring back the captives of my people Israel. They shall build the waste cities and inhabit them. They shall not plant vineyards and they shall, sorry, plant vineyards and drink wine from them. They shall also make gardens and eat fruit from them. Verse 15, I will plant them in their land and no longer shall they be pulled up from the land I have given to them, says the Lord your God. What a promise that God had already. All that they should have done is the moment, moment Nehemiah, Yisra, and the Levites started reading the book of the law, they should inherit those promises of God and start doing things. This is what exactly happens in our lives. We hear the promise and we just leave those promises, but God is telling you, inherit those promises, promises for the future. Do not worry about your future. For every worry that you have today, listen to me, for every worry that you have, to, you have today, there is more than one promise in the word of God that gives you hope. For every worry that you can name today, there is more than one promise in the word of God that gives you hope. God doesn't want you to worry concerning your future. That ruins your current joy. And this morning as we close, God is telling you the same thing he told children of Israel. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. Then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions to those who, for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to the Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. God is telling you, do not lose your strength. If you lose the joy, if you lose that inner joy, that inner peace, you lose your strength physically. Joy of the Lord comes from the knowledge of God. People do not know God. They don't have, obviously, they don't have any reason why they should have the joy inside of them. Joy of the Lord comes by trusting God. People do not trust God. Obviously, they don't have joy. Joy of the Lord comes from having a relationship with God. If you don't trust God, if you know, know, know God, if you don't have a relationship with God, where the joy can come from? What can this world offer us? Just only happy moments, but no, not joy. That real joy can come from knowing our God and having a relationship with God. Joy of the Lord comes from the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 14 verse 7, I just read that for you. For the kingdom of God is not just eating and drinking. It's all part of it, but it's not just that, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This morning, shall we all take a moment to look unto the joy giver? He's the fountain of the living water. Shall we all arise this morning as we get into a time of prayer?